Welcome to the Not So Perfect Christian Life Podcast with Joy and Hannah. Welcome back. Uh, This week we thought it might be time actually to just share how Hannah and I came to faith and what sort of made us decide to put our faith and trust in Jesus. Um, So we're going to go into a bit more detail about that. And I guess just to share what we believe is the most amazing news about what Jesus has done for us. And so I guess if you wouldn't call yourself a believer in Jesus and you're listening to this, then it might help to explain why that Christian friend of yours keeps bugging you to come along to church or keeps asking you if you want prayer for anything or keeps trying to talk to you about Jesus. I'm hoping that after you listen to this, you might understand why. Um, Yeah, so... Hannah, do you want to go first or shall I go first or what do you want to do? <laughs> I am very happy to go first. Go for it. I love to tell my story. So, yeah, I think ours will probably be a bit different as well, won't they? Which, well, all stories are different, aren't they? So yeah. let's dive in. So mine is that um, I grew up, my family are lovely, I grew up in a lovely family, lovely friends, um, fairly sort of like stable family life. My parents went to church, so we went to church, and I don't remember, I know different people have got different experiences, but I don't remember a time where Jesus didn't feel quite real to me. Um, I guess that's because he was talked about and experienced him in different ways from a young age, and um, yeah, so I I I can't say, like, when was that defining moment when I would say I was born again? I'm not quite sure, but what was really significant for me, and I remember the timing of, is as a teenager... Um, you start asking those questions, don't you, about, like, oh, what do you really want from life? And, like, how do you... How Well, like we were saying in our first podcast, wanting to really be authentic as a person, wanting to have integrity as a person... Also being quite a pleasure seeker as a person. <laughs> so like, that hasn't changed. <laughs> no, it hasn't. It hasn't. I've just I've just found my niche. It's Jesus. <laughs> um, Brilliant. But yeah, like wanting to try different things, experience different things, and you'd be really interested in boys as I was growing up and drinking and just wanted to have a like fun time. I am the middle child. I do think that makes a slight difference. <laughs> just in the sense of I had a big sister and a little sister who had who were not very well at different times and being in the middle it kind of gives you a bit of permission to go under the radar which Mm. does which suited me because I was quite happy being quite secretive about what I was doing um on a Friday night and (laughs) the weekends and things like that but um yeah so I started to feel very conflicted, though, uh, in teen years as well, sort of between following that sort of pattern of what friends were doing, what we were all doing, having fun together, but at the same time sort of feeling like, oh, but what is life? And like, I don't Mm. always feel great in myself. Like, I kind of feel at times just quite ashamed or like, oh, just like a sense of feeling a bit dirty or... It's not quite the right word either, but just feeling un like not at ease with myself, and then particular relationship as well starting, and 
and then just feeling huge conflict knowing like wow I know definitely how I'm living doesn't represent what Jesus calls people to be like if they're following him um mm. and I knew that because I was going to youth group I was going to church and I was so I was hearing about you know what does what does Jesus love what does it mean to follow him and I'm like oh gosh well I do really love him but this isn't I know this isn't what he's calling me to so I increasingly felt this sort of conflict and division within my soul I think of what I would quite like life to be like and what it actually was like and that just got intolerable actually and I remember praying um loads oh Jesus please just end this relationship please just help me kind of please just help me kind of out of this and out of certain lifestyle and he never did, <laughs> never kind of, he never made that easy for me. And I look back now and I'm so grateful that he didn't because I can kind of look back and think, well, actually, yeah, I hit a certain phase where I was just like, where do I want life to go? Do I want it to go to the left, to the right? I want to follow you, Jesus. Okay, I'm going to have to make some hard decisions then and have to kind of say no yeah. to things that I know are going to take me off on a tangent and if you know if I follow that route where is that going to lead me in life it's not going to lead me to you Jesus so I ended that relationship which was very very hard Mm. and very painful and um decided to get baptized that summer and that was just a, a real sort of gear change for me in my life with Jesus I just felt like he'd kind of laid out before me you can live life without me, Hannah, or you can live life with me. It's your choice. And um, forced me, sort of didn't give me an easy option in that, like sort of forced that decision. You can't do both. What are you going to do? And I was like, okay, Jesus, I'm going to choose you. I want to follow you. I want to love you. I don't want to be distracted by the things around me from knowing you. Um, And then that summer after I got baptized, I got... um, I didn't I wasn't from a church background that believed in baptism in the spirit so I didn't really know what that was or experience of the Holy Spirit but I went to Soul Survivor that summer and um I was pretty cynical actually in the first (laughs) meeting that I went to and thought oh it's a lot of like emotionalism isn't it and um (laughs) but then the second night I just got absolutely blasted without having a concept of what baptism in the spirit or being filled with the spirit was or is I just encountered God in a really powerful physical way and someone came and prayed for me um and it was my first experience of prophecy of people hearing from god and she i mean she didn't know me at all and she just told me all these things about me that were true and just spoke mm-hmm. into my life and yeah. said god's calling you to this and to that and i felt i think i'd carried a huge amount of shame with me up until that point and knowing that because some of my friends at the time were Christians and probably their lifestyle on the outside looked more what you would imagine to be Christian. Mm. And I knew that wasn't me. I didn't fit that. I didn't fit them. Um, And so I just did carry that like shame. I knew in that story of the prodigal son, I was the I was the rebel daughter running away. And that evening though, I just felt I have never, haven't really had a, 
I've had lots of other encounters with God since, but not one quite like that, where I just, I felt so washed. I felt washed clean. Mm. I can't always say it. I get chills. (laughs) I just, it was so wonderful. I just felt so sort of cleansed and I felt like he put a passion in my heart for him that had always been there actually, but it like fanned it into flame, felt clean, felt like, there's a whole fresh beginning, a whole fresh adventure of following Jesus that was to come. Mm. Was determined to then stay single for probably most of my life and just <laughs> follow Jesus and see see where he led me, see what adventures he took me on. And actually then as it happened, not long after I met my husband, <laughs> which was a bit put out with at the time actually, but um <laughs> it has it has proven to be very good. But yeah, so for me, that first, I can't remember when I, I couldn't say when I first got to know him, when I was, my soul was born again. I couldn't say when that mm. was. And I guess we might talk about even what, what does that phrase even mean? But I can remember with real clarity when follow, like following getting baptized in water, which I felt was a call on, am I going to be obedient to him or not? And I decided, yes, I want to be obedient to him. And then just getting really full of his Holy Spirit. That has just been a watermark in my life, actually, that Mm. I haven't ever looked back on. So that's a bit of my story. What about you, Joy? Well, that was amazing to hear that because actually we've been friends for a while and I didn't know that story. So that's really cool. There Um, you go. Yeah. I haven't lied. (laughs) I didn't think you had. (laughs) Um, I might have previously before the watermark. (laughs) Um, Yeah. So my, um, I was just thinking when I was listening to you, actually, my sort of story and journey in some respects feels a bit more disjointed because of uh, rather than everything happening all together, like things at different points and a bit spread out. But um, I was sort of brought up in a Christian family and so had always been around that concept of church and God. And and I don't remember similarly sort of not feeling like that was true. Yeah. I'd just been, my parents were strong Christians and they'd always sort of talked to me about Jesus and God and they'd lived it out. I mean, they'd been missionaries um, in South America, which was where I was born. And so it was very much a real sort of lived out faith. Yeah. And so I'd go along to church with my parents, but it was just one of those things I had to do, really. But my mum was telling me that really recently that actually I was a really insecure little girl. Um, I really doubted my parents' love for me. I, yeah, was just very insecure, very sort of unhappy. Um, And, um, but, so that's the sad bit, but actually they said that it really changed when I came to know Jesus, um, that almost it was like a switch was flicked and I just changed. And actually since that point, which I'll go on to talk about, Mm. I haven't felt like I'm an insecure person at all. I've generally always felt like God's given me confidence. So that was one of those amazing sort of fruits that came out of um, just, I guess, knowing who God is and knowing who I am in him. But um, I sort of was obviously had felt strongly enough to become confirmed. So in the Church of England, you're baptised as a child, which I was, Mm. which Mm. you don't really have much say over. You're not really making any promises Mm. for yourself. People make them on your behalf. And then in the Church of England, so instead of like 
sometimes instead of a believer's baptism, you get confirmed where you make those promises for yourself. So I obviously, and I do sort of remember obviously getting to that point. So there was obviously some stuff going on there where I really felt like I could make those promises. Um, Except that shortly after I got confirmed, I remember just getting into real difficulty at school and really, really struggling with stuff with my friends and just school became a place where I was incredibly unhappy. And Mm. I just remember being like, so even though I'd made these promises to God, that I presumably meant I don't know how deep they'd gone because I just remember when I started having these problems at school, sort of in my second year of secondary school, going to God, okay, well, I'm going to put all of this stuff to the test then. Um, I'm going to see actually, God, whether you really are there see whether you care about me, see whether all this stuff that I've sort of heard about at church, the stuff that my parents have told me about is actually true. And Mm. so I just started praying like little prayers to sort of be like, okay, well, we'll see what happens. And I couldn't quite believe that they were getting answered. (laughs) Um, And so then, you know, and there might be people listening that have done this as well. So then you start sort of making it a bit harder. (laughs) Just like, okay, well, those things could be explained away. So um, now I'll start praying for this or I'll start praying for that. It's a bit more complicated, you know, and all the while you'll sort of feel like you're saying, come on then, God, you know, if you're real, like show yourself. And (laughs) hey, they all kept getting answered. And I just felt obviously at that time that I couldn't put my finger on a moment where I went wow this is definitely all true but I just remember that gradual realization that this was not a coincidence like there was a God that all those things that I'd been told about and being around and um heard at church was true and sort of I think it was God just setting them deep in my heart but with that recognition of there is a God who cares intimately about my life and that is Mm. answering my prayers and just really became overwhelmed then with that sense of who am I that God would answer my prayers and yet he does and he shows mercy to me and he shows grace to me so yeah I didn't pray a particular prayer because I think I'd already done that and I'd already made those commitments but I do just remember from that moment onwards of just really being aware that it was all true and that the stuff particularly I'd read about of like sin and we'll go on to talk about that um later on but the stuff that I get wrong and all of the rest of that that God's love had come to deal and cover with cover my sin and that he was wanting to be a, a part of my life that he was wanting to have a relationship with me and that sort of blew my mind and so I think from that moment yeah. onwards I just really became a a passionate Christian and it was not easy in a secondary school where I was the only Christian and I was one of those people who was trying (laughs) my best to live as a Christian (laughs) and whatever that means um but trying to follow him and so that stuck out like a sore thumb and at secondary school you really do not want to stand out in any way but considering the insecure little girl that I'd been um that was God's mighty work in me because I didn't mind like I, yeah. I didn't mind at all that everyone knew that I was a Christian and um, that everyone used to make jokes about, mm. oh, I, you know, behaved myself and everyone else didn't. And it just didn't bother me because God had obviously done that work in me of just once I discovered how much he loved me and what he'd done for me, it just got 
just rooted out so much of that insecurity that I really needed because I was going to be on my own trying to witness to people and trying to follow yeah. Jesus on my own um, yeah. throughout the whole of my teens. Um, thankfully, when I got to university, that changed, but and I just really needed that. But actually, throughout my teens, I just remember God meeting with me like every time I read the Bible and just just stayed really close to me. And I kept seeing him answer my prayers over and over and over again. And mm. and for me, I think that was the sort of kindness and mercy and grace of God. And by grace, I guess I mean like God giving something to me which is undeserved, um, yeah. his kindness to me, which is undeserved. And I, And that has just continued to blow my mind. And then in terms of like a powerful encounter with the spirit, that happened far later on when I went to university and came around people who would talk about the power of God and the spirit of God. And other than the Holy Spirit living in me, I hadn't really thought about what else the Holy Spirit could do because I wasn't in a church that massively believed that. Yeah. But these people seemed really exciting people. And so I started praying. I was like, oh God, I sort of want to, I want to encounter you in that way. And then I went to a conference where I was prayed for by someone who then, as they were praying me, praying for me, just sort of pushed me down on the ground. Oh, as if to be like, oh yeah, that was the power of God at work, you know? And, and, uh, I remember lying on the ground and just being like, (laughs) God, if that's what it was, that absolutely sucked because that was just a person pushing me on the ground. And I was like, other people have spoken about having encounters with the Holy Spirit. I was like, that's what I yeah. wanted. You know? Yeah, yeah. Um, and then the following evening, I remember just standing in this um, worship evening and I had my eyes closed. And I can't explain it other than I felt the presence of Jesus standing in front, in front of me. And it felt like he just blew on me, just a really soft breath. And before I knew it, I thought I was still standing up. But then suddenly people were crowding around me and I was lying on the floor. Um, and I was like, how did I get here? What, what's just happened? But I was like, well, that's more like it. Um, <laughs> and then um, what, what was really cool is then I couldn't stop laughing for Aww. 40 minutes. And I remember just thinking, I just can't stop laughing. This is crazy. But actually for me as well, because my name is Joy, it just felt like a really intimate he knows me that, Yeah, he knew my name. He gave me that name. Yeah. And it yeah. just felt like him really connecting with me. And so, and then it was only later on that I decided to get baptised in the sea really recently, actually, only a few years ago, because I thought, you know, I now want to do this. So that's what I mean about it being a bit disjointed because I've been yeah. in different church environments who have believed yeah. different things. But I'm essentially like, I want everything that God has for me and any way that I can show him that I want to follow him, I'll do that. <laughs> yeah, 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 definitely. I think when you've grown up in a um, Christian home as well, sometimes like there's a funny order to how these things happen, isn't there? I think yeah. friends of mine who have not grown up in a Christian home, like they have a bit more clarity of like that moment when yeah. they turn to Jesus and decided for the first time, yes, I believe it. Um or that moment where, you know, they got filled with the spirit. It's just yeah. everybody's story is different, isn't it? So yeah. in for you, if we talk about the good news of Jesus or, you know, what, why did he come to earth? Like, what did he achieve when he came to earth? Dying on the cross, all that sort of thing. What, from your story, though, would you say 
I mean, it's endless, isn't it? The things that are good news about what Jesus came and did for us. But what for you in that, in your experience there and in your life since, have you really been made aware of by him about the good news? Like what of it has he really applied to you and drilled into your heart that you really experience and know is real? Mm. Well, it's interesting because it's different things at different points, I think. I mean, essentially, I've believed all of it that that even though I've done loads of wrong things and even though I've generally pushed God away and said, yeah, I'd rather do things my own way, as we've actually even heard on this podcast, have I talked about <laughs> doing that, um, <laughs> that God desires relationship with me and his kindness and goodness and mercy just comes and meets with me where I'm at. And so I guess the story that the bit of the story that I shared about how he came and sort of answered prayer and just graciously dealt with me and spoke to me and guided me on. Um, mm. Just his kindness towards me in caring about the what on the surface of it seemed little things, but he's the God of the universe, like he created everything and he still cares about me. Um, yeah. And that he would still come and send Jesus to die for me does blow my mind and continually make me really thankful for it however I should say within that there are lots of times where I become blasé about it yeah and which feels crazy when we're talking about how amazing this news is that then I would say well but sometimes I become blasé about it but unfortunately that is the reality of it that sometimes we forget yeah and our story even though we know it so well we easily forget what Jesus has done or we come, yeah. we or we become just a bit like, oh, yeah, so Jesus died on the cross. Yeah. And we, and we say it like that. And then you sort of I really need the nudge of the Holy Spirit to go, oh, Joy, that's amazing. <laughs> um, yeah. And for me to go, yes, it is amazing. Like, again, it is amazing. Yeah. I feel like um, communion or the Lord's Supper however you want to whatever you want to call it is so helpful for that isn't it we had we did that as a church the other week and it just really reminded me to focus on the you know the bread is Jesus's body and the wine is his blood and I was just like yeah wow I remember one particular youth weekend in particular where history is really important to me and so just got sort of I already felt like I knew Jesus but to go through sort of some of the historical evidence and looking at why it is rational actually to believe that yes Jesus was a real person and yes he lived and walked on this earth and there's sort of no other explanation that I find compelling other than when he was on this earth he died and then he came back to life yeah. again in three there's no other explanation for that that i have found yeah. more compelling yeah. other than he was god and yeah. so when he did that he achieved a way to deal with everything that i've ever done wrong he and achieved a way to deal with the separation that there was between me and god because I was, and I was aware of it actually in my own life or like I was actually aware I am choosing to turn away from you yeah. God like I'm sure I think for some people they just don't even realize yeah and it's not part of their sort of dialogue or cultural upbringing or anything that this concept that there is a God and you are kind of as the Bible describes a God hater until you're a God lover. But I, I was aware of, I am hating you, Jesus, in my actions here because I'm choosing 
to turn it away from you and against you. Um, even though I know you are saying you are life and freedom and joy, I'm choosing something else. So to then feel like he's pursued me, he's come after me, he knows me, he's loved me. And yes, I'm thoroughly convinced historically, Jesus, you died and rose again, so that that separation between me and God can be forgiven. Yeah. And Jesus can Jesus can take all the punishment for my active rebellion. Yeah. He could just take it all. He's happy to take it. God can punish it on him instead. And then I get his perfect record of right, yeah. righteousness, of right doing. Yeah. And I, st- I just, oh, the... F- the sense of liberation in that mm. is immense, isn't it? And I just remember like the sense of forgiveness and yeah. just feeling, oh, I can be reconciled to him. I can know him. And it's not because of anything I've done. It's all because of what Jesus has done. But he's just so loves me and has relentlessly pursued me yeah. until I say happily, yes, Jesus, I want you and I want to follow yeah. you. yeah. Yeah, and you've just um, really wonderfully there talked about essentially the word that we call sin, which is, you know, yeah. our rebellion against God and turning away from God. And that isn't a comfortable one. And it isn't yeah. a comfortable one whether you believe in Jesus or whether you don't believe in Jesus, um, because yeah. it's a recognition of the stuff you get wrong. And in society also, and this is where Christians have sometimes got a bad rep because people that Mm. aren't believers in Jesus think, well, that's all you talk about is all the stuff I get wrong. And Mm. that is a travesty because we shouldn't just be talking about that. But we do need to talk about it because it's only amazing news if we work out what we were saved from in the first place. And um, the privilege that I have as a prison chaplain is that when I go and meet with prisoners... Um, they have a very thorough understanding of the fact that they have got stuff wrong in life. <laughs> and uh, particularly those that are really engaging with the chaplaincy, but most of them actually that I meet, it's really, really unusual for me to meet people who are like, yeah, I think I've made the right decision in life, even though they're in prison. Yeah. Um, yeah. And so actually then when you sit down and you talk with them and you think, well, you fully understand actually sin and how you've mucked life up and all the rest of it and then to be able to have the beauty of sharing with them the good news which is that there is a God that has died to deal with that and to take it away and that they don't need to have that guilt or shame because they can come out of prison and still live with the lasting effects of what they've done yeah but to know that essentially if they put their faith in Jesus and what he's done for them, then they don't need to be labelled as that sinner anymore. Yeah. It's absolutely amazing. And so for me, just being able to share that with them regularly also sets it deep in my heart. Yeah. And because I do... reminder. Yeah, definitely. Because I do think, and when I was preparing, like thinking through what I was going to say, Often what's really frustrating is that we as Christians, I think, have given the impression to the rest of the world that we are better than them. Yeah. Um, and that somehow that we've got life sorted and they haven't. And as I as I frequently find myself saying to people in prison, and I do genuinely believe this, is that I am no better than anyone else. The whole point, and the Bible says, all have sinned. And yeah. fallen short of the glory of God. Like my sin hasn't yeah. ended me up in prison, 
but in the sight of God, like I am a sinner and they are a sinner. Yeah. Um, the huge gulf of difference though is that that I've relied on Jesus to take away my sin and to deal with it because there's no possible way that it could be done otherwise. And yeah. therefore without that happening, I couldn't know Jesus. And so I think we have to get rid of that idea or you know, we have to make sure that we're not perpetuating that idea that yeah. we are better because we're absolutely not. Like we are essentially saying we're all in the same boat. It's just that by putting my trust in Jesus, like Jesus is in my boat now. Um, and yeah. so he's with me and I trust in him. And and I just always feel like that's really important because I don't ever want anyone to feel like we've now got it together and yeah. they haven't. I mean, that's partly why we're doing this podcast, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, to be real and honest, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. And I think as, I think um, that's why I love that the Tim Keller book, Prodigal God, and I love yeah. how he walks through that story about um, the prodigal son and everyone gives attention to the rebel son that runs off and does all these things that are obviously rebellious and a rejection of his father. And you just think, oh, well, that's just so obviously wrong. But actually, the emphasis on the story is on the older brother mm. who seemingly is doing everything right. And yeah, he's, he's basically that sort of like intolerable religious self-righteous goody two-shoes yeah. who like like you've been describing that I think people's experience of Christians can be like they think that you know it's people who think well I've ticked all these boxes yeah. of superior being and actually I've followed this rule I followed this rule and therefore I stand apart from you which is and the whole point of that story in the Bible is that Jesus is absolutely slamming that yeah even more so really given his listeners in that story than he is the obvious rebel yeah um because it's far more dangerous because it's not so obvious and like you were saying we're about the people you meet in prison there's an awareness of wrongdoing like me and my teens there's a yeah. there's a big awareness of sin and wrongdoing so the gospel in that situation is just sheer relief to yeah, have it absolutely. dealt with, to yeah. have it forgiven, to have it washed clean, to have it, and not even just that, but to have it redeemed. And you can see how Jesus starts to work in it and makes it as though, yeah. oh, yes, but this was so wonderfully meant to be the case because now look at this and this and this. Um, whereas the danger of the person who thinks they don't need him, they're self-sufficient or yeah. they're self-righteous or... And they don't need a saviour because they're fine, actually. And they've never they've never done anything wrong. And yeah, I think I think what's tragic sometimes, which I think you can see quite a bit of, is that you maybe get people who are like the brother that runs away and does the obvious wrong. And then they maybe have an experience of Jesus and maybe they like come to know him, born again, turn their life around. And then you can sort of see them sometimes in sort of a church culture, maybe, where they're kind of, they come in to know Jesus full of excitement because he's forgiven them. But then they sort of learn, sadly, that, oh, but following Jesus is about like a list of rules yeah. or something. Oh, yeah. And slowly yeah. you sort of think, oh, we've gone from being that brother to this yeah. brother. yeah. Neither of them are good. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. Because what Jesus actually is inviting us into, or is inviting 
everyone into it's an open invitation yeah is relationship with him and it's not even like I think maybe even people listening to us we're not even talking about are we like an area of our lives where Jesus sits and then family sits here and then job sits here and then other things sit here um we're talking about Jesus said he was the way the truth and the life so until we've kind of really met with him and experienced him and are following him, there's a lack of life. Yeah. There's a lack of truth. There's a lack of knowing the way. And so he is just absolutely everything. And knowing him is what it means to truly live and letting him make your soul alive, your spirit alive. That is what it really is to live, isn't that's what we're yeah. saying. We're not saying this is in a pocket over there we're saying he is everything yeah yeah and that is also learn isn't it because you know how we were when we first became Christians is not where we're at right now and God has brought us on and changed us and grown us and and made us more like Jesus and as we've shared you know we still get stuff wrong we definitely still have wrong ways of thinking and um (laughs) sin in our lives that um contend with you know that we have to contend with yeah um that even though we know forgiveness of sins and we want to live more like Jesus you know we constantly muck it up and we constantly get it wrong and that's the beauty of it that we have to keep coming back to this place where we kneel at the foot of the cross and we go oh Jesus I've mucked it up again um and I really need your help and we know that mercy and forgiveness and we know that life and I just I frequently find myself thinking I don't know how you do it without him I don't because this life is really hard and increasingly if you watch the news feels bleak and feels sometimes unmanageable and sometimes feels dark and Mm. the only way I have known how to do life is to ask for Jesus's help and and so it's been really amazing for me to see how he's brought me on and how he's changed me and how he's grown me as a person and Yeah, and how I've seen his love more at work in my life and just continually to be blown away by who he is and what he's done. But like I said before, you know, I still need that prompt sometimes. I still still need to be reminded of like, this is who Jesus is and this is what he's done and and all the rest of that. Yeah, but and I think that's what back to... We didn't intend to sort of mention communion at all, but actually it's interesting that it keeps coming to my mind now. And that's why Jesus said, isn't it? Remember when you do this, when you eat the bread and you drink the wine, remember me, remember what I did, remember how I gave my body, remember what a beating I took, what insult and mockery and shame I took on that cross so that you could be washed clean. It's just so important to remember, isn't it? Just hearing you talk there as well, I guess like, I mean, we really try, don't we, in these in these podcasts to just not be preachy at all. Or, um... <laughs> Sounds like you're going to go there. <laughs> I know. You can, you can pull me up on it if you think I have gone there, but I just thought it's an important <laughs> distinction to make between what we're saying here is about like um, justification and sanctification. And I know they're they're, you know, religious words so I just break that down into plain English of like what you were talking about there as well isn't it we're talking about an experience of we are like forgiven 
done deal in a moment justification it's just as if I never sinned that happens and it is sealed you can't like reverse that you can't change that you are forgiven full stop yeah but then at the same time there's this like ongoing sanctification so this ongoing being changed being made more like Jesus trying to follow Mm. Jesus which is a process and that's what we've been talking about in his podcast isn't it so our process of trying to follow Jesus our process of changing our process of trying to make um areas of our lives obedient to him or like trust him with different areas of our lives and that bit is very messy and (laughs) as as we're showing (laughs) yeah (laughs) yeah but it is like but it's you know when you know that you've got that first bit forgiven full stop the second bit then it's it's just life is it's just working out life with him and trying to remain humble in that and not becoming like that older brother who thinks that he is so superior to um, other people around him. Yeah. Just trying to remember what we've been saved from and remember how much we're still <laughs> trying to work out in life, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and also just remembering that he didn't just die on the cross, you know, he came back to life again. And yeah. that that offers us eternal life. And yeah. I think that is amazing that when I die, I know that I will go to heaven to be with Jesus. Um, and I yeah. know that other people who put their faith and trust in Jesus will do the same. And that is an amazing hope because, yeah. you know, I've seen people who just believe that when you die, that's it. And and actually, there's a feeling of despair from them then when they come to that realisation that they think, well, actually, there's nothing after that because just think, well, then you start asking those questions about what is life about? Like, what am I doing here? Like, why am I here? What is my purpose? And what is my life going to amount to? And for me to be like, you know, I know that Jesus has given me this life, but when I die, I get to go and be with him and live in a place where there is no more tears and no more crying. And I get to be with my savior and praise him and worship him. And the idea of praising and worshiping Jesus for eternity does sound daunting. Uh, (laughs) But I just know that the more time I get to know Jesus, the more I stand in awe of who he is and what he's done. And one day I'm going to get to praise and worship him with people from all over the world, every tribe, every language. We're going to get to praise our amazing saviour for what he's done. And that feels amazing. Sometimes I forget that that is what's coming, but that gives a massive amount of hope of just like, God has put me here for now and I get to know him and I get to live in his love. But I'm going to be able to, you know, stand next to him in heaven and, yeah. you know, all the rest of that. And that and that yeah. is an amazing thing as well that he's given us that. Yeah, it's very humbling as well, isn't it? And it's it's quite, so it's very humbling to think that everybody, when they die or he returns, as we believe the Bible teaches, like everybody is going to have to face him, is going to have to yeah. confront him. And I think that's a terrifying, if I think of the sort of all those teen years of the thought of meeting him without having been cleansed and forgiven by him is quite terrifying really and I think it's humbling and good for us to remember actually what the bible says about not everyone is going to be there are they not everyone is going to be in his glorious presence because only those that he's totally forgiven and made right with himself can be with him um and that is 
just hugely humbling, isn't it? And yeah, yeah. motivating. Yeah, and it's a, I don't know, I just think it's a gift that I'd, I'd want to accept, you know. it Often yeah. when you're sharing it with people, particularly, again, when I find when I'm sharing it with people in prison, you see them looking at you like, this seems too good to be true. Um, and I'm like, well, it is amazing, but it's not too good to be true because it really is true, you know. And to know a loving Heavenly Father who will look after you and bring you into his family and will care yeah. for you and yeah. um, walk with you all the days of your life. Yeah. You know, we all need that. But I think particular of people that have maybe haven't grown up with a stable family or haven't grown up knowing unconditional love or who have just had such broken lives and to know the offer and the promise of life that God gives is, is amazing. Mm. And so I guess we're, we're sharing this because, well, it's part of our story, but I guess the sense of, you know, if you're listening to this and you wouldn't call yourself a believer in Jesus, then I'm hoping that we've made sense firstly in what we've said. (laughs) And secondly, that if any of what we've said appeals to you that, you know, please look into it, please look into it because it is, it, Mm. it makes the biggest difference in the world. And we're sort of led to believe that often if things seem too good to be true, it's because they're not true. But in this case, they really are. I mean, it, as we said at the beginning, it really is such amazing news, isn't it? So yeah, yeah, we'd love to hear from you. If you, or even if you have any questions about anything that we've said, <laughs> then please get in touch because that would be really amazing. But, um, but yeah, if you feel that sort of prick of your conscience in anything you said, you know, that we'd say that that's God. So um, get in yeah. touch. Have you got anything else to say, Hannah? Or shall we finish it there? I thought you wrapped that up beautifully. Oh, I wonderful. sort of felt ready to get the band off. <laughs> <laughs> take a moment (laughs) okay well we will leave it there then because we've run out of stuff to say Um, so take care everyone and we'll see you next time bye bye thanks for listening if you have any questions or suggestions for topics please email questions at the not so perfect christian life.com 